Hey, FedEx, welcome to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. This is Sharing Our Pairings episode 103, Spotlight on Blackwork Studio, Black Label Trading Company. I'm your host, John, the Cigar Surgeon. Sharing Our Pairings is broadcast live around the world, picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And of course, you can tune in at cigarfederation.com, youtube.com, and now Facebook Live. Thanks to all our listeners everywhere. And of course, our podcast listeners, we haven't forgotten about you. You guys are out there in droves. I see the country c- countries come in all the time. We've got people coming in from all over the place, the Philippines, Israel, Great Britain, Sweden, Norway. Appreciate your tuning in wherever you are in the world. Hope you're staying safe and enjoying the one hour of tomfoolery and pairing that we've got. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Trippy Trent. Trippy, what's going on, brother? hey I'm smoking some Black Label. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, smoking a cigar I, I really like. It's a good cigar. Oh, yeah. And, I mean... You know, I'm not really a huge Candela fan. Um, I know that Candela has kind of made up the American market for a number of years. And, I mean, I find that a lot of the true Candelas, quote-unquote true Candelas that are out there right now, uh, they're not really Candela. They're blended to be something other than a Candela. But this is something very different than sort of what we've seen on the market before. Yeah, this uh, interestingly uses, like like you were saying, a lot of the Candelas these days are made to be a lot stronger. You're not really tasting as much of the Candela as a traditional Candela. Um, but this one, it's just kind of there as an accent, which is kind of nice. Um, it's a good, a good move on, on James's part, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's very artisanal for those who aren't aware on... I don't know if you can see that, but it's it's got strips of candela in both a cap, and then because we've already lit, you can't see on the closed foot. It has a candela covering the closed foot. And I've actually watched these being rolled at the uh, Fabrico Veja factory, or Veja Negra, pardon me, uh, Fabrico Veja Negra in Esteli. And it looks like a lot of work because the guy's like cutting strips and rolling them in, and it's, you know, it's very artisanal. And I'm sure that after he did a thousand cigars, he got very accustomed to it. But I'm sure the first 200 of them, he was cursing James's name when he was rolling them. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, putting a wrapper on, or a, a cap on is not an easy thing to do. Uh, and putting two of them on at the same time cannot be very easy. But it's, but it's awesome. And we're talking uh, pre show that, you know, when you, when you first light it up, you really do get a big blast of that candela flavor you know that sort of grassy earthy and then it just kind of falls off and you get this really wonderful um peppery spicy creamy combo that you know i kind of associate with black label trading company and Blackworks, which you know that's why i like their cigars oh yeah um they've definitely got uh within the Blackworks brand at least uh everything's kind of got a similar feel um, even though they've got you know different flavor profiles, they're all kind of within the same realm. Um, sort of like uh, you know, like Liga Pravada. If you smoke anything that says Liga Pravada, it's going to be kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I feel about Blackworks. So just to clear it up for our audience who aren't aware, uh, Black Label Training Company is the company that makes the cigars, founded by James Brown in 2013. They opened a boutique factory, the Fabrico Veja Negra, in Esteli in January of 2015, which was a great move for them. Uh, you oftentimes don't see a lot of boutique manufacturers uh, opening up a, 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 a shop because it's very, very expensive and it's a lot of investment in both tobacco and everything. So normally a lot of boutiques are rolled out of another factory to save costs. Um, but they did launch uh, in, in January 2015 and were very successful with it. Now they're doing a bunch of other brands for other people. And then Blackwork Studio is essentially another brand under the Black Label Trading Company uh, banner, and they launched in December of 2015. And really the goal of Blackwork Studio is to come out with ultra-boutique, specialized, sort of super-secret squirrel stuff that they wouldn't otherwise do under the regular Black Label. So they, they tend to kind of go out the extremes, and this is certainly a good example of one of the cigars that they launched with, something that's very different from their typical portfolio. And they want to push the envelope of, you know, what they can do with a booty company. So uh, the other thing to mention there is that they're all located under, they're all distributed under uh, Boutiques United. So there's basically a um, distributorship under Boutiques United, which also has uh, 1502, Nomad, uh, Ezra Zion, and... Uh, <sighs> I think there's one more, but I'm, I can't remember it. And, and it's right on the tip of my brain, and I'm so embarrassed uh, because, like, I just smoked one the other day. But I can't think of it. It'll come to me. This is what happens when you when you get older. Your brain just stops functioning properly. 
At any rate, fantastic cigars. Uh, this is the Green Hornet. And if you aren't a older person and didn't watch the awesome series with Bruce Lee back in the 60s, I am just not old enough to have done that, but I did catch him in reruns. This is, of course, the great TV show that was on with Bruce Lee and really was made by Bruce Lee. This is kind of an homage to that. And uh, sports in Ecuador and uh, Maduro wrapper, which, you know, love Ecuadorian tobacco. Nicaraguan Habano binder, which that's, you know, creamy, spicy, love that. And then a bunch of Nicaraguan fillers. And uh, I think it's a 5x48. They call it a Robusto, but, it, you know, it's like a, I hate anything under a 50 being called a Robusto. I'd call it a call short it Churchill. Short Churchill, Corona Extra, you know? I wouldn't call it Corona anything. Fair enough. At 48. Fair enough. But a short Churchill is, you know, 48 is the traditional tr- ring gauge for Churchill. Right. Um, so I think, in my opinion, anything that's 48 and shorter can be a short Churchill, whether it's six and a half or four and a half. Short Churchill, James, fix it. It's not a Robusto. What do we know? We just drink and smoke. Yeah. Sharing our pairings, of course, is brought to you by Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Check out the Gurkha Heritage or the Heritage Maduro. They're getting good scores. Talk to your local B&M. They'll hook you up either with a Heritage or something that fits your palate. They've got a range. They've got a lot of cigars. They'll have something that's right for your palate. And, uh, Little something, something I'm rocking tonight is the, uh, the 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 new hotness, the ring from uh, Black Label Trading Company. I couldn't resist when I saw it get posted on uh, on Facebook. You know, I'm a sucker for cigar jewelry. You sure are. Uh, did you happen to pick up any of the other sterling silver things, the the Zycar or the Zippo? No, I didn't want to push my luck with shipping and customs and all that. Uh, but you know, those are both cool. Th- cool things that I could see myself wanting to pick up. And I mean, I've got a, I've got a bit of a lighter collection going on as well. Of course, they're all, they're all empty. They never seem to have butane in them, but I got a bunch. Of course. Jason Raybuck says he has no sound. Weird. I blame Jason. Uh, yeah. It sounds like your sound's working at least. Uh, let me tune in. All the board says we got sound going out and everything is on the uh, up and up. So don't have the issue. I just confirmed we definitely have sound on Facebook at least. Fix your crap, Jason. Stop freaking us out. Jeez, yeah. man. Jeez. Anyways, back to the show. We're talking about pairing cigars and beverages, which we do every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. I'm going to kick it off here with a questionable choice. I'm not sure where my head was at. Rogue, A's, Rogue Ale and Spirits. Uh, you know, don't know what I was thinking. It's I, I got sucked in. It's got like chocolate and waffles and bonbons and i don't know all kinds of stuff and hazelnut that's a hazelnut in the middle uh it is the uh, rogue hazelnutly choc choctabulous 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 i can't even say it it's so strange but you i have to, you know you have to read the subtitle that's on there too is there a subtitle yeah look right under where it says chocolatarius or whatever oh chocolatabulous it's a candy bar in a bottle there we go yep candy bar in a bottle so I like Rogue. I'm not sure this is necessarily the uh, best choice for the pairing tonight, but I'm, I'm, I've made my decision, and I'm sticking with it. Um, Rogue Ales and Spirits, I know we've featured them many, many times in the show, but I'm going to run through it really quick here for our audience. Uh, they started the brew pub that opened in 1988 in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, their mission statement is to brew the finest varietal ales and spirits in the world with an uncompromising devotion to quality and art of brewing. They want to present the finished work with a touch of educational, entertaining mischief. They are dedicated to the rogue in each of us, rogue being capitalized. To remember, it is not simply a matter of profit, but a highly personal work of art. They want to build relationships, not just ales. And they want to be great friends and remember what it's like that's inside what and they want to remember that it's what's inside that counts Uh, a little bit about this tasty beverage i'm gonna hold it up it's kind of dark and delicious but it's a combination it's a combination of their uh rogue chocolate stout which i'm actually a big fan of the rogue chocolate stout and then they blend that together with the hazelnut brown nectar so kind of combine the two it's 5.7 percent abv 14.5 degrees play-doh 51 ibus which is uh quite a bit higher than kind of what i was sneaking a taste in there i'm not really getting the ibus probably getting run over by the uh chocolate 75.3 aas and then 99 degrees lova bond uh what i love about rogue is their website is baller they've got tons of information all the stuff is there uh, they also have a recommended food pairing which is beef and dessert those kind of seem like the opposite spectrum to me but beef and dessert 
yeah, those seem like complete opposite pairings for me. Um, but I mean, I've never had that beer, so I can't really speak for it. Uh, one thing that I really like about their bottles is the way that they do the food pairing. They just have little icons. Uh, Absolutely. It's just, it's just kind of a cool touch, I think. So I'm going to hold that up. Our audience can see that at the back. Kind of a kind of a cool touch. All the specs are on the bottom there, bottom of the bottle. They got the symbols there. Obviously, a cow and a pie. Cool little mission statement on the back. It's cool. I like it. They got good packaging. Got a good website presence. Just I'm uh, hit and miss on some of the rogues. What can you do? Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I think their quality is kind of hit or miss. I think they make a little. They go a little too crazy, and they. It seems like they kind of get lost in making something weird rather than making something good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot of cool things about them. They also distill. They have an okay whiskey and a pretty good gin. Yeah, I tried out their whiskey. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's interesting. It's inter- I mean, you don't really see a lot of breweries go all of a sudden spirits, which is, you know, I dig it. Yeah. Um, and another cool thing they do, I don't know if they use it in that beer, but in most of their beers they use a, a yeast called Pac-Man that's proprietary. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can just buy that. You can buy a little vial and pitch it in your homebrew. That's cool. Yeah. So, Trippy, what do you got on deck? I have got from uh, Stormbreaker Brewing, I've got their Apacious Oatmeal Stout. It's got a big uh, – It. I didn't immediately realize what this was, but once they describe it, they say that this is a beer perfect for a cloudy day. Um, okay. And that's a cloud turning into a gorilla and coming to get you. All right. Which is cool. I can dig it. Uh, so Stormbreaker Brewing has kind of an interesting story. Uh, this guy, he, they call him Angry Rob, uh, who's apparently not as angry as he used to be. They make that very clear on the website. Says Little John. Yeah. Uh, but he has worked pretty much every job in the beer industry. And for four years, he worked at a brew pub uh, in downtown Portland at, on Mississippi Avenue called uh, Amnesia. Okay. And Amnesia announced that they were going to be closing that brew pub and all of their production was going to take place at their uh, brand new production size facility uh, where they could crank out a lot more beer. Gotcha. And he got together with a friend and decided he was going to buy that brew pub and start his own brewery. So that's wow. what they did. Uh, and they've only know. been around since 2013. Um, so this is their oatmeal stout. It is 24 oh. IBUs and a... Very surprising, five percent ABV. Wow, uh, that's pretty low for a stout. Um, Especially an oatmeal stout. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. But it's it's got some body to it, uh, even if it doesn't have the alcohol to back it up. Cool. So how are your how are your sippies doing there? Well, like I said earlier, I kind of cheated. I had some sippies before uh, before during and while the show was on because I'm thirsty and I like beer. And the initial uh, initial few tastes were way too sweet, like crazy sweet, like candy bar sweet, which if I'd read the bottle, you know, I would have gotten that. When I, uh, when I nose it, do you guys have, um, what are those, uh, those, those chocolate bonbons that have the crunchy center, the Maltesers? Do you have Maltesers oh, down in the States? Uh, it might be called I've, something different. Oh, what are they called? Ferrero Rocher is what they're called here. Mm. Like they have a hazelnut in the middle. Okay, not, not the uh, Ferrero no. Rochers, but it's got like um like a crunchy candy center. Um, I usually get them when I'm at the, uh, at the cinema and I go through them like they're crazy. And that's, that's what this smells like to me. It's got that milky chocolate with that caramel center. And it was, like I said, when I initially tasted it, it was crazy sweet, like sickeningly overpoweringly sweet. And I'm not sure if it's because the cigar is kind of pushing back nicely on that with the, you know, the creaminess and the pepper from the cigar, but it's, it's growing on me. It's, not by far the best rogue I've had. I've, you know, there's a lot of rogues that I prefer. Um, it's certainly drinkable, which sounds terrible when I say it like that, but (laughs) it's not really doing anything for this pairing. Like, you know, the beer on its own is, I would say, okay. This is probably going to get an untapped rating of three and a half for me, maybe three, two, five. So the beering's fine. The beer's fine. Um, but in terms of pairing, it's really not doing anything for the, the cigar. I mean, it's certainly there in terms of body. It's not being run over by the cigar. But there's just no notes there that are interesting enough to, to pair off against the cigar. I feel like your choice of an oatmeal stout is probably a much better choice. Yeah, I, I feel like this is a pretty good choice. It's got a, it's got a pretty good body. 
It doesn't have as much of that viscosity that we've talked about before that I like from a stout. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flavor's there. It you know it's it's it tastes like a stout, like a hearty stout. Um, and it's it's kind of nice that it's not super high ABV yeah. because it's kind of refreshing for a stout, which is a little different. Um, I would say it's closer to like an oatmeal stout version of a Guinness, where it's oh, not cool. super heavy, um, which is nice. I like it, and I think it goes really well with the the kind of creamy, spicy notes of the cigar. And what was the uh, price point of that? It comes in a bomber, right? Yeah, this is a bomber. I think these are about four bucks around here, which is crazy reasonable. That's crazy reasonable. Um, and as far as I know, Stormbreaker doesn't distribute too far. Um, obviously, I'm in Portland, so I'm in their hometown. So uh, it's pretty easy to come by here. All right. Well, that sounds like an easy pickup for four, four and change for a bomber. Do they, do they distribute? Have you seen any of the... Smaller bottles, like a six-pack or cans or anything No, like I've only seen them in bombers and on pack. I have to, sorry, a bit of dead air there. I have yeah. to say that uh, I am not usually a huge fan of bombers. I know that it's a, a le- uh, the least expensive way to distribute because you're, you're obviously your ratio of uh, alcohol to uh, container is, yeah, it's a, it's a cost factor, especially when you're a smaller uh, brewery. But I'm, I'm not a fan of bombers because... You know, even if it's 5%, you know, I don't, and again, because I don't want Fatjohn to come back, uh, this is one one 1.6 fluid ounces. I'm not, I don't want to drink 1.6 fluid ounces in a single session. I want to have a pint. I don't want to have two pints. I don't have a pint and a half. I want to have a pint or three quarters of a pint. So I'm kind of left with the decision, Do you know, do I pitch it, which, you know, it's kind of an expensive decision to, to pitch it, or... Uh, do I bottle it, like put a cap in it, and and try and make it last to the next day, which is kind of a mixed bag. Like that, tends yeah, to that, not that almost off. never works. Yeah. yeah, and like when you're drinking something like uh, over here, I have the bottle from a couple weeks ago. Still, uh, the Imperial Biscotti Break that's like eleven and a half percent in a bomber. A beast. That's just a lot of heavy beer to drink in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for guys like you and me who don't who don't drink a bunch of beer. I mean, yeah, I'll, I mean, I I'll never, have one or I two never beers, but I don't like having like, you know, I I don't have nights where I have like seven beers. That's just yeah, not- I'm not a seven. That's right. I'm the same way. I'm not a seven beer a night kind of guy. I want to I want to have my my one beer and I want to make it good. It's kind of like cigars for me. I want to smoke mm-hmm. my good cigar. I don't want to smoke five cigars in a night. It's just not my style because you know by the third cigar it's tough to taste anything at that point. And to your point of a high ABV, you know, when you go ten ten and a half plus percent. I mean, you don't want to be putting down a bomber of ten and a half plus percent in a night, because you know it's just—it's not. That's how you get Fat John. That's how you get Fat John. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm if I if I want to get after it, I'm gonna have like one, maybe two beers, and then a couple of whiskeys. Beer just fills me up too much. I hear that. And the nice thing is, I can have three whiskeys to one beer in terms of calorie payoff. Not that it's a calorie game, but it's a calorie game. But it is. So, how's our audience doing on Facebook and uh, Cigar Chat, Trippy? We got any questions, comments, feedback? Uh, we don't have any questions or comments, really. Uh, Bob, Bob Langmaid says we're right about church, short Churchill for this thing. Nice. Uh, and he's also very surprised that this stout is only 5%. <laughs> That's wild. Especially for an oatmeal stout. Yeah, it's, it's just really surprising. And it, it doesn't, a lot of times when the ABV is that low, you end up with a ton of sweetness up front, and this this doesn't have a lot of sweetness at all. It's a very dry oatmeal stuff. I can dig it. I want to remind our audience that uh, this is, of course, Goat Week. What is Goat Week, you say? Well, Goat Week is the greatest of all time, and instead of uh, holding on to those great cigars that you're saving for a special occasion, this is the special occasion right now this week. Uh, started by On Fawn, who is our uh, resident Lancero Nation leader, and now uh, employee of Drew Estate. Uh, but the tradition continues. It's been going on for a number of years. So really the tradition is this week, bust out those greatest of all times, smoke them, post them at CigarFederation.com, a little comment of what you're smoking and why you're smoking and what you're holding on to it. But smoke it this week. Greatest of all times, do it now. Have you smoked any goats this week? Not only have I smoked some goats this week, I kind of preface the week 
by smoking Cuba. Some, yeah, I went to Cuba and I smoked some crazy, crazy stuff that I will probably never smoke again. Uh, I smoked some stuff from the 90s. I smoked some stuff that uh, comes in a giant container that's worth, you know, 300,000 euros. And uh, there's no way I would have been able to get my hands on a cigar like that. Otherwise, uh, I smoked a bunch of super limited stuff. I smoked some stuff that's uh, not even released on the market, which was cool. So that's wow. cool. I think I've got a... I've got a crazy pre-embargo Cuban uh, that's been waiting for the right moment. I think the right moment is this week. Unfortunately, because of where I got it from, I can't post pictures. So a lot of this stuff, I can smoke it, but, you know, I can't post pictures of some of this stuff because of where I got it. But it's, uh, I think it, it's from, uh, I want to say 1939 or 1941. Oh, so it's nice. probably got not very much to it anymore because the tobacco has just been aged for so long. But it'll be an interesting experience to smoke a cigar that's, you know, crazy, crazy old. Yeah, I've I've smoked a couple clear Havanas from the late '40s and early '50s, uh, which if if anybody doesn't know what a clear Havana is, I believe the term means that it's a cigar that was rolled in the U.S. using all Cuban tobacco, um, and uh, a couple of those were actually machine mades, which is kind of interesting that back then they were making what we would now think of as a premium cigar on with machines. Wild. And now, like, machines are just kind of looked down upon. Yeah. Handmade. Hecho Amano. It's the only way to Hecho do it. Hecho Amano. Now, what else have you been smoking for Goat Week so far? Or what do you have uh, queued up for Goat Week? Well, so the stuff I started off with was, I started off with a uh, Tatawahe RC233, which oh. is the enormous Salomon. It's like... Is that from 2009? It was from 2009. Crazy. Uh, that was fantastic. I've... Like I, I, I smoked those back then, but I haven't had one since like 2010 probably. Wow. And man, that was just such a good cigar. And then the other one that I went for, uh, which was kind of a joke goat week thing was I, in 2006, I was on a now defunct club stogie.com. And for some reason, I don't remember how it happened, but somebody sent me a acid extraordinary Larry. No, and right. I looked at it and thought, I'm never going to smoke this thing. It's a 6 by 60 which I'm just not a fan of. It's an acid, which I'm generally not a fan of. And it just kind of hung around my humidor. And once I – I would keep it in like a bag with a Bovetta. Yep. And so it didn't, you know – Mingle. Mingle. Uh, and then eventually I started a uh, infused humidor. And so it's been sitting in there for like five years. And I just figured this is the perfect week to finally smoke that 11-year-old acid. And uh, it lost almost all of the acid qualities except for some bitterness. It was really weird. Interesting. Um, but it was actually – I think it was actually a pretty good cigar. Uh, it burned really well, like re- exceptional burn. Uh, no well, I would think touch-ups. It was, years, just, yeah. it was just smooth as can be. Well, I mean, that's what Goat Week's all about is stop hanging on to those cigars you've had for umpteen years and smoke them. Smoke them mm-hmm. if you got them. Just want to remind our audience you're tuning to Sharing Our Pairings, episode 103, broadcast live around the world, pick up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Tonight is Spotlight on Blackworks Studio, which is Black Label Trading Company. We're pairing beers and the Killer Bee, which is delicious. Uh, of course, Sharing Our Pairings brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Talk to your local B&M. They'll hook you up. They'll find the Gurkha that's right for you. There's a lot of Gurkhas out there. They've got one that's right for you. Check it out. Talk to your B&M. Support your local B&M. Because in this day and age, you got to support your local B&M. We are doing some beer tastings. And uh, I'm just about ready to move on to beer number dose, I think, for tonight. I think that's a great idea. Now, hopefully this one's going to be interesting. Because it's from one of these, uh, quote-unquote, phantom brewery, which is the sort of polite, non-racist way to say phantom brewery. I'm not going to use the other word because I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, But this is the Chipotle Porter from McKellar Brewery. And uh, McKellar, like I said, is a phantom brewery. So just like uh, some boutique cigar manufacturers, they don't have a facility. They come up with a blend, a brand. They send it off to another distillery or brewery, and the brewery makes it up for them, and then they package it and ship it out, which is kind of a cool concept. We've we've featured uh, Evil Twin on the show before, and Evil Twin's kind of the same concept, where they go to different breweries and have their uh, have their beers made there. They've got I don't a story know what... with Mickler, you know. Oh, yeah? Tell yeah. me the story. Uh, so actually, so Evil Twin is named... Because it's the evil twin of Mikola. They're two brothers who lived in Europe 
I'm not sure exactly where. It was like Sweden or Denmark. Copenhagen? Copenhagen. That sounds about right. Uh, and they both brewed beer, and somehow they developed some animosity. And one decided to move to New York and start uh, Evil Twin, and the other one started Mickler. Interesting. Little little bit of beer beer history right there. Yeah. Very cool. So, as you say, so this uh, the Mickler Brewing Company was started by uh, Mikael Borg Bjergsø. In 2006, uh, just by experimenting as a home brewery in his kitchen in Copenhagen. And like I said, he operates as a phantom brewery. Uh, their mission statement is to brew beer that challenges the concept of good beer and moves people. We do this by using the best ingredients and work with the most talented and creative minds around the world. Sounds like a lot of boutique cigar manufacturers to me. Uh, their goal is to make quality beers a serious alternative to wine and champagne while having gourmet food. I can dig it. That's a good uh, mission statement to me. I'm going to hold up the bottle here of the Chipotle Porter. It's kind of got a cool, I don't know what the gun's supposed to symbolize. You know, maybe the gun is the uh, Chipotle. But uh, on the back, it's got 1% Chipotle chili as one of the ingredients. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, hold it up here. It it poured nice. It has a nice thickness to it. I don't have a lot of specs on the beer because they didn't have a lot of specs in the beer. But that's uh, that's a pretty thick porter with a nice. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a serious. like That's, that's moving into stout country. That's moving into stout country. 6.6% ABV. Oh, and you you can definitely uh, you can definitely smell the chili off of that. That is <clears throat> what I would definitely describe as a Mexican hot chocolate, where I get that nice chocolate, get a nice little bit of chili there, which is not overpowering. I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this and let you talk about your second beer of the night. All right. Um, and I just I just checked, and I I don't know if I didn't realize it before or what, but they are actually identical twins. Crazy. Uh, Hepe and Mikkel. Uh, so my final beer is uh, a beer that I really like. I've had it a few times. It's called Tough Love from Crux Brewing. Uh, it's from their Banished series. So the Banished series is what they call barrel aging. Rather than saying we're barrel aging this beer, they say this beer has been banished nice. to whiskey barrels. Um, and this is their barrel aged Imper- Russian Imperial Stout. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Um, so an interesting thing about this beer that I was complaining to John about at the beginning is they make it an adventure to get into these bottles. So they have, as you can see here, they have the wax seal. Uh, so you have to kind of chip through that wax to get to the cap, pop the cap off and there's a cork in there. Uh, so they really want to make sure that there's no air leaks or anything. And there's a bottle cap too, right? Yeah, and there's a bottle cap as well. Uh, these are really meant to be aged as long as you can stand. Uh, right, This is the 2016 series, but I've got a couple more bottles that are uh, cellared, if you will. It is 70 IBUs, and it clocks in at 11.5% ABV. Wowzers. Yeah, but it comes in a little bottle, which I appreciate. Yay! A nice 12-ounce bottle, which is kind of perfect for... You know, two glasses of an eleven and a half beer, or one Canadian glass. What is that? Uh, what does that bad boy run you? Uh, this one's kind of expensive. They're generally they're between twelve and fifteen. Mm. Usually, they're they're easy to find for about twelve ninety nine a bottle. I mean, it's probably on par with a lot of barrel aged stuff. I do like the fact that it comes in the smaller bo- bottle because you know, as we've already talked about, getting a bomber at that size. It's kind of a waste. You're not going to drink the whole thing. At least you probably shouldn't drink the whole thing in I one mean, session. If you do drink the whole thing in one night, you're gonna uh, you're gonna not not enjoy it as much near the end. You're just going to be drinking it. Yeah, you're just going to be drinking it. So this uh, Chipotle porter, it's um, it's nice. It's funky. It's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of that nice <clears throat> spice that I like in uh, in hot foods, where the spice is kind of a background note, and then you drink it. You get chocolate, you get that nice creamy porter, um, it's very refreshing, and then that spice just kind of stays with you, and it's balanced. It's not overpowering my palate, but it's just kind of sitting on the back of my tongue, a little bit of spice, just kind of burning away, and it's a nice counterpoint to the cigar because, and this is what I'm looking for when I'm doing a pairing, is there's this really nice sweetness probably from the uh, Habano wrapper on this on this uh, Green Hornet, 
And that sweetness is amplified by that spice. So the spice that I was getting off the cigar is now being pushed to the background because that chipotle spice, the chili spice from this uh, beer is really taking the forefront for spice, but it's really offset by the uh, creaminess of the cigar and uh, great combination. I'm really, really digging it actually. Awesome. So I was just reading the back of the bottle here and I had looked at their website to kind of make my notes and they didn't give a great description of the beer. They just kind of said, this is a you know, a Russian imperial stout using uh, roasted malts that we age in Kentucky whiskey barrels. Okay. But on here it actually says uh, it's an imperial stout brewed, brewed with blackstrap molasses and spices, which is then aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. Um, and it actually notes that they use oak smoked wheat and malted rye in addition to the roasted malt, wow. uh, which – it's like it's really velvety. Like it's got that consistency that I just love in a stout, where it's kind of viscous and oily, um, and it's just rich. It's not super sweet. It's not super bitter. It's just rich. Uh, it's got just enough sweetness, just enough bitterness, uh, and a, a really nice uh, bourbon character right on the finish. Are you getting a lot of the smoky character? Because it's interesting that you're using so many smoked grains in there. You'd think that would really Yeah, there's definitely some smoke influence here. I think uh, the smoke – I find that smoke in a beer really kind of gets overrun by the smoke from a cigar because you're already tasting so much smoke. Yeah. Um, but I can, I can pick it up just a little bit, not as much as I'd like and not as much as I probably would if I wasn't smoking a cigar, uh, which is kind of a detriment to the parent. Well, I'm getting to the halfway point-ish of the uh, Green Hornet, and it's nice. Like I said, it's it's got a, a really nice creamy aspect to it. Um, there is some spiciness, although it's you know it was subtle spiciness, so it really doesn't compete with that uh, Chipotle, that chili that's in this beer. But um, this cigar is probably a couple steps down from the typical strength level that I get with a lot of black work stuff because James likes to smoke at the sort of medium plus full end of the spectrum. And I love that. This is probably a lot more approachable than a lot of the black work stuff in terms of, you know, I would put this at medium, medium plus at most. Yeah. And I think that that makes it, you know, especially with the uh, Candela piece, that makes it interesting, it makes it different, and it makes it very approachable, I think, for the average smoker at a, at a size that's, you know, reasonable in size. Yeah, and and I would actually say that it starts off very full-bodied. When yeah. you light the Candela, uh, Jason Raybuck asked if you, we notice anything from the Candela. So the Candela is really only at the foot, and then there's, there's the detail on the cap here, but you don't really taste that. Um, but when you first light it, you really taste that grassy, earthy flavor from the candela. And then there's a ton of spice right at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, that really fades away as you get through the first third uh, and until it's kind of a background flavor. I, I would challenge the – I do think that having the candela at the cap does play into it. But it's a very subtle note. Like, yeah. And I think when we talk about candelas – Candelas for me are anything but subtle. Like they're, you know, when I think candela, I think of chewing on grass from a freshly mowed lawn with some mm-hmm. with some dirt, and that that to me is what candela is. So you know, I think there is some of that vegetal contribution to the cigar, but because it's in such small quantities, of the cap, you're just getting hints of that that add to the complexity of the cigar. So you know, it's kind of it's kind of very candela light minus, but it adds to the flavor for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's unlike anything else for sure. And actually I think you do kind of get a little bit on the palate just from having it in your mouth. Uh, I do notice you're right. A little bit of like kind of bitter grassiness, Mm -hmm. which, which I kind of like, because like, I like that from beers. So I think it translates well for my palate. Yeah. Some people may not like it, but that's their problem. Thanks for the question, Jason. Appreciate it. Anybody else from uh, Scar Federation commenting? Anyone else from Facebook uh, uh, dropping any notes? So Jeff Madre says that he likes my feng shui in the background. So these are actually both of these pictures. The one over here is of the uh, Padrone farm. And the one over here is a tree that's right in front of the farm. So you can see the field uh, in the background there a little bit. It's kind of dark. So you can't were really those, see it too well. Were those taken when you're down at Pure Sabor? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Padron was just, it was cool to visit Padron because they're surprisingly humble. I know I talked about that a lot in my article and when we did 
cigar chat, but it was just surprising that they don't seem to, they're not boisterous at all about the cigars they make. They just make cigars. You know, I would say that is probably true of a lot of cigar manufacturers pivoting to Black Label Trading Company. James is very much that way. You know, he's Mm -hmm. a very soft-spoken, quiet guy who kind of lets his cigars talk for him. Just a super chill guy. If you've ever seen the interview with the IPCPR with uh, James, it kind of strains the capacity of our microphone because he is so soft-spoken. Just, you know, super zen, super chill. And I think that's probably reflected in his cigars. You know, you just, you smoke them, you chill out, you enjoy them. And, uh, yeah, I really do think that's one of those things where the cigars kind of talk for him. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's, uh, He's a unique guy, but he's got, he's very understated. And Angela, his uh, wife, is a sweetheart. She sure is. So this uh, Chipotle Porter is a big win for me. I would say, if, even if I had other beers to pair tonight, which I don't, I think this Chipotle Porter would probably be the winner for me because it's different, because it's interesting, because it kind of pushes the envelope of pairing with the spiciness. And I've had spicy beers before on the show, and I've had spicy beers by themselves. And I find oftentimes the spiciness is just way overstated. You know, they end up putting in way too much spice. And, you know, I'm sure as a brewer it's really tough to balance that out with the other ingredients that are going into your beer. But in this case, it is exactly what I want out of a, a spicy beer where the spice is an accent like hot food where it's not taking over my palate. It's not taking over the other flavors that are there. It's just, it's a nice accent flavor. And with this cigar, it makes for a really interesting combination. Yeah, that sounds like exactly what you want from a, a spicy beer. Um, I mean, I've had some spicy beers that are just overpowering with spice uh, where it's like, you know, it's that feeling where you put too much hot sauce on your burrito or whatever mm-hmm. uh or or like maybe you ate a piece of white chocolate with some scorpion pepper in it and it's just you don't <laughs> See, taste down on cigar safari yeah <laughs> you don't taste like the food all you taste is heat and i've had that with some beers but it's nice when it's got a little bit of spice and it's there and noticeable uh but it doesn't overpower you at all so we haven't really ever done ratings on the show but i'm gonna change that tonight because uh, that's that's just that's what we do here on Sharing Our Pairings. We change it up. We can do whatever we want. It's our show. So I think for the first pairing, I would probably rate it like a 79.80. Um, you know, it's all right. It's a beer and a cigar. It doesn't break any mold. It doesn't push any envelopes. It's not particularly interesting. It's just a beer and a cigar. And again, no disrespect to Rogue because uh, they have a lot of beers that I really like. This just happens to be one that just doesn't work out for me for pairing. Uh, how was your first pairing of the night? Um, the first pairing of the night, I would give seven and a half, eight. It's a good pairing. So actually, I don't know. The, the pairings here are kind of contrasting. They're both stouts. Yeah. But the first one, you're really going to get a little more of this from the cigar. And the flavor of the beer is going to be secondary. Where, um, you know, you're still going to be picking up all of the notes from the cigar. And it's a little stronger than the beer. Um, so the beer adds to the cigar, uh, but they, the beer, the cigar itself doesn't really add to the beer. I would right. say. Yeah. Seven and a half, I would say. Okay. But it sounded like on the own, on its own, that beer was, um, uh, was a huge win. Like just oh, yeah. drinking it by itself. Yeah. And super drinkable and kind of refreshing and smooth for a stout, uh, just all around pleasant stout. So for me, the second pairing of the night, that, it, like I said, definitely the winner. Uh, I'd probably rate that an 89.90, 8.99 um, out of 10. Solid beer. Uh, more an interesting combination. I, in fact, I think this is one of those rare moments where I think I'd probably enjoy the beer a lot more uh, paired than on its own because I think on its own, the spiciness might get a little old after a while, you know, not be that interesting, but paired with a cigar, uh, it brings out a lot more in the cigar and it brings a lot more out of the beer and together it's, it's a better combination than, you know, by itself. The cigar, of course, by itself, I could smoke all day long and it looks like we lost Trippy there. So bear with us a second. We're going to get him right back. Bringing Trippy back into the show here. Sorry about that. It's all good. Technical issues abound occasionally yep. here on sharing our pairings, but fortunately with the new system, easy to recover. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is surprisingly easy, isn't it? Um, so did you, did you finish talking about your second pairing there? Yeah, I was just saying that, um, 
the uh, the Green Hornet is a cigar that I've definitely enjoyed on its own. I've smoked quite a few of these already, but uh, you know, in terms of the beer, I think the beer does a great job working in concert with the cigar to provide a more interesting mix. And I was saying that while I enjoy the cigar on its own, I'm not sure how to enjoy the beer on its own because that spicy component would kind of get older after a while. I mean, halfway through the beer, I'd be like, you know, yeah, I get it. It's a spicy beer and I'm, I'm kind of tired of it, but it's more interesting paired with a cigar because, you know, they play off of each other nicely and, uh, makes the beer experience a little bit better for me. Sure. Uh, so my second pairing, I think I would give an eight and a half. It's a great pairing. Um, the cigar detracts from the beer just a little bit because you don't get those smoky notes coming through from the whiskey and the smoked malts. Um, but the strength of the beer doesn't really overpower the cigar at all. Uh, so you really, uh, you know, they, they just play off each other really well. Fair enough. So, of course, uh, <clears throat> we're going to have back to our regular rotation. We don't have a cigar chat this week, unfortunately. Uh, this Thursday will be cigar chat uh, missing a night on Thursday, which, sorry for that, but uh, we're working back into our cigar chat schedule to get our guests back lined up. So, Trip yeah, has been working hard. We do have the rest of the month booked up, which is good. Yeah, so if you uh, aren't familiar, you can go on to uh, CigarFederation.com, go to our events section, uh, next Wednesday, of course, we will have another sharing our pairings, but on Thursday, we will have a cigar chat with Mombacho Cigars. We're going to have Claudio Segroy from Mombacho Cigars on Thursday night, uh, regular time of 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. That'll be a good one. And then uh, we just posted up tonight, uh, Phil Zangi from Debonair Cigars. Uh, no, the, the week after, so next week we've got Claudio. The following week we've got John Huber. Oh, nice. And then uh, Phil Zangi from Debonair is the last week of the month. Now, if, I, uh, if I'm following my calendar events here carefully, uh, I think John's going to be on Tuesday as opposed to Thursday. Is that correct? Yes. John's going to be on not next Tuesday, but the following. So two weeks from today, sort of 12 days from today is yeah, a more accurate way to describe it. Yeah. But you can check that on our event schedule. We'll of course, uh, post that on Facebook. We'll post that on YouTube. But you can go to cigarfederation.com, check out the events section. And of course, uh, we will put that up on our podcast. Thanks to everyone who subscribes to our podcast, whoever is out there listening. We appreciate that tuning in. Thanks to all our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners who are out there in the world. You guys are built to do things we are not built to do as we sit here and drink beer and smoke cigars. We appreciate you protecting our freedoms. Appreciate your service. Hopefully you are staying safe and have a fantastic weekend. And we'll be back next week with another Sharing Our Pairings. As we say on Sharing Our Pairings, drink better, but drink less. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I kind of erred with the, uh, the first beer pairing. It was more of a curiosity, I think, for me to, uh, to pair that Rogue. I just saw it in my lineup, and I thought, oh, it would be interesting to pair that. And I've never had it before, so completely blind on my part. Yeah. Yeah, that's how my first pairing was, too. It was totally blind. It was just like, oh, this sounds like a good stout. I think I'll try that out. Um, but that one turned out pretty good. Not fantastic, but pretty good. But this uh, Tough Love, I can't get enough of it. It sounds tasty. Actually, both of them sound tasty. I like the I like the idea of an oatmeal stout that's a, a sessionable, like a Guinness. I mean, normally, you know, when I think oatmeal stouts, like the starting point for an oatmeal stout is eight and a half percent, which yeah. you know, it's kind of nice to have an oatmeal stout that's not that boozy. Percent. Yeah, this this feels like an oatmeal stout that I could go out and uh, you know have dinner and then have a couple beers at the bar mm-hmm. and go home and feel fine. Yeah, because essentially you could have two of those oatmeal stouts and be in less ABV yeah. than the Imperial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's just it's just smooth drinking. It's, I think this might be kind of my new, uh, when I'm feeling like a stout that I just, you know, I just want a beer while I'm watching TV. This is kind of the perfect stout for me. It's like, um, it's like a springtime stout instead of like a falltime stout where you want something super heavy and thick and crazy. That's the face. perfect way to phrase it. Nice. Springtime stout. Springtime stout. I'm going to trademark I, that. Nice. I was, uh, of course, complaining earlier in the week uh, because and this is a no-spoiler show in case you're worried before I drop some. The season finale of <laughs> The Walking Dead was on the weekend, and we were kind of talking about that because there's kind of two shows out, uh, The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, and I don't know why people do this, but it drives me absolutely up the wall that 
literally 15 minutes after the show airs, people are on Facebook just blah 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 with the spoilers. People are on Twitter blah 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 with the spoilers. Yeah, and you know, like that post that's just like, I can't believe Negan blew up the world, mm -hmm. and you're just scrolling through your feed and you're like, God, no. So I went to I went to CNN.com, and CNN had a major spoiler in the uh, title of one of their articles, which, I mean, you know, I can't avoid that. I've seen it already, so now part of the plotline's already ruined for me. And then, as you said, I was scrolling down my Facebook feed, and someone was like, blah, 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 I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And it's like, guy, seriously, why would you put, like, your, your Facebook feed is public to your 750 other friends, and many of them probably haven't seen the show. So... You were mentioning that uh, you've kind of adopted a different strategy than me of waiting. That uh, we Yeah, tell so, so our strategy is no matter how late we have to stay up, we just watch Walking Dead on Sunday night. And I, I, my wife looks at Facebook and I'm always like, don't look. Just do your business stuff. Don't just look through your feed. Yeah. Um, and she's gotten bitten by that once or twice. But I just – I don't even touch social media after like 6 p.m. East or uh, Pacific. Yeah. Because I know that there's going to be a spoiler somewhere that's going to make me angry. It's it's just so, I don't know. I mean, you know, you can talk about the show non-spoilerish in your initial post and then have a discussion underneath that because it's easy enough to ignore or scroll past the discussion. But when you're, you know, one sentence is in the new big bold font on Facebook, it's really mm -hmm. tough to avoid that. And like I said, it's it's very disappointing when you're engaged in a show, especially when you're, you know, major plot points are being leaked. It's it's just so disheartening. Twitter is easy enough for me to avoid because I just don't open Twitter on Mondays. But CNN, Facebook, I mean, those are both, uh, you know, CNN's kind of a business tool and so is Facebook. So it's really tough to ignore a big fat spoiler right in my face. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, just don't post spoilers, people, please. Don't post spoilers. And of course, we're almost going to be getting into uh, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones time, because I think the uh, new season airs at the end of June or beginning of July, something like that. Uh, I think it's the end of June, I believe. Yeah, like June 29th or something like that. So it'll be just something enough time, like just before the IPCPR, we'll be getting into it, and uh, I think I'm going to have to adopt the strategy of just watching it on Sunday night because uh, it's just going to piss me off if I catch a catch a spoiler on Monday. Yeah. So if. Uh, just a tip, if anyone out there has HBO Go and that's how you watch it and you don't watch it until Monday morning or something, so as soon as the episode starts in your country, it's available on HBO Go. Interesting. So for me, it, it's on, at, I think, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, so 7.01, I can watch the new episode of Game of Thrones. Nice. Which is perfect. This, uh, this Green Hornet's a good cigar. I mean... I'm uh, I'm actually getting a lot more of that Candela now that I'm past the halfway point. I think mm -hmm. it's starting to uh, play a lot more into it, and I'm getting a lot more of that grassy note as I finish. But, I mean, I've been raging on these. I think I got a 10-pack accidentally because I think I th – I, <clears throat> or I think I got a 10-pack of the Green Hornets and a 5-pack of the Killer Bees, um, and they do smoke differently. I do find that the Killer yeah. Bee being a smaller Vitola, it does – the, the candela maybe plays a bigger part in the overall taste factor than the well, uh, green Well, the killer bee doesn't actually have candela. It's got, I think, Habano or maybe Connecticut instead in place of the candela. And then the new one that came out that's the uh, event exclusive, the Cato, mm. that one has the uh, candela wrapper going all the way up. Really? Yeah. Now, is it is it striped like the... Uh, Green Hornet, or is it just a solid wrapper going all the way up? It's striped. So it looks a lot like the Green Hornet. I think it's a little longer. It might be bigger ring gauge. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, where you've got the wrapper seam as it spirals around, there's just a little bit of the candela sticking out because it's got a double wrapper. Interesting. Very cool, though. I Like like I said, I like the idea that it kind of pushes the envelope of, you know, I've never seen, a, you know, you talk about barber poles, but it's not like a barber pole, at least not the uh, the Killer Bee or the Green Hornet. It's just, it's implemented in certain strategic places to adjust the flavor profile subtly enough, and I, I like that. Yeah, I think it works really well. In fact, it kind of reminds me of the KFC, where the KFC has the, uh, you know, a little bit of KFC leaf in the cap just to adjust the flavor so it's not overpowering, but it just adds something to every yeah. puff. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of how I feel about the 
the cap on this one because you do get you definitely get some of that uh, Candela character in there. Good cigar. Great cigar. And if you want to find out more about Black Label Trading Company, you can go to the website blacklabeltradingcompany.com or just Google Black Label Trading Company. And they'll come up first hit for you on Google because Google is the end all be all for search engines. Yep. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do for next Wednesday, but I feel like we should switch it back to uh, to whiskey. We've, That's we've a good doing, idea. We've been doing a few beer shows. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to do for cigars, but there's a lot of cigars out there. A lot of new releases. I'm still making my way through. And i got to start posting some reviews because I think I've got <clears throat> five reviews done now in my backlog that I just need to sit down and type out. I've got the videos done. I've got the audio done. I just haven't done the typing, so... There'll be some new reviews coming out in the next few weeks for sure. Yeah, I've I've got one in my backlog that I've I've mostly written the review. I just need to kind of edit it and put the pictures in. It'll be done. Um, but I got to get on that reviewing thing. Got to get on it. So we will be back at our regular scheduled time of 8 p.m. Eastern Standard next Wednesday. Like we said, we have we'll have Mombacho on next Thursday with Claudio Segura. That'll be a good show. Hopefully uh, Logan brings his A game. Claudio is always a good time. I've taken a, a few tours now of his factory. And you've taken a tour a couple times of his couple factory. Times. One of the most beautiful factories in oh, it's the amazing. world. It's incredible. It's not a cigar factory. It's in a state that happens to have a cigar factory in it. And it's beautiful. So if you ever have the time to go to Granada, if you're in Nicaragua, make the time to go through and check out the factory. It's definitely worth the visit. And check out Charlie's, the greatest German food in all of Nicaragua. In all it's of Nicaragua. All of Nicaragua. Have a boot. It's it's oh. a good time. It's delicious. Have the uh, have the rodent. And if it's you've got any questions for Claudio, post them up on the Facebook. Uh, you can you can ask me on Twitter at Tripopolis with two P's. Tripopolis. Uh, or you can go to CigarFederation.com and comment on the post there. Many different ways to get your questions in. We'll definitely appreciate your questions for tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. But uh, as we say in Shire Pairings, we want you to drink better, but drink less.